Good morning. Happy Labor Day. We're so excited that you guys are here. There's so many people here. I'm so excited. Whether you're here in person or on live stream, we're just really excited to worship with you this morning. And while I'm talking, today we're talking about being courageous. If you forgot your communion while I'm talking, like just go, like, like fight the social anxiety, like get up, go get it. We want you to participate in that. So we've just got a couple announcements. We've got a baptism today. So we'd love it if you stayed after and just see what that's about. Celebrate with um, the people that are choosing to do that today. We love to be able to celebrate that with them. It's a really moving experience. If you haven't ever seen a baptism before, I really feel like it moves your spirit in a really cool way. So please stay for that. Next week, we have the fall kickoff for all the cool things going on here at Southwoods. And it's just going to be a pop of fun. So there's your hint. So come next week and you can hear all the, see all the cool things that we're doing with our pops of fun. But um, one more thing, we've just got a lot of cool ways to give here at Southwood. You can just mail it in, do it online, come see Jackie. Um, we do a lot of awesome stuff here and we're really glad that you guys are here. We're really glad that we're getting ready to start this fall kickoff and um, how you give often really reflects on all the things that we're able to do to support you guys and to support new Christians. So um, just feel free to give as God has blessed you. I'm going to pray for us um, and then we're going to start our worship. Okay, will you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for you and for this space. God, that we're able to work and God, that we're able to give back to you in whatever way that looks like. Father, that you see us for all the good and all the bad and all the capabilities and all the incapabilities. And God, you meet us where we are. Father, just be with us this morning. Let us worship you freely. Relieve any anxiety or fear or stress that people are bringing in today and just let us worship you as freely as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand up and we'll get started.
loud. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever embrace. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
You can be seated. Um, we're coming to a time that is one of my absolute favorites, and we do it every week, and that's there's a purpose because that, because there's a reason we participate, we partake in communion. You know, um, it's amazing because God is king. He is God over all the universe. He has made everything. And when you think about that, it should put a little bit of fear in you, I know. At least it does for me when I think about that. But the reality is even though he is king, he's also dad. And that allows us to go boldly before him, knowing that he loves us. I heard a story once. There's a a really big name speaker in our brotherhood called Bob Russell. And he was always person who preached and everything in slacks and there was this new upshot preacher named Kyle Eidelman and he came and he was preaching in jeans and stuff and he he liked everything Kyle was doing except for wearing jeans and he goes to him he brings him in one Sunday or not Sunday but some other day and he said you know if you were to meet the queen or king would you wear your jeans and Kyle said, I would if he was my dad. And I just thought that was a great response. I'm not saying what you can and can't wear, but it's different when it's your dad. And we can boldly go before him because we know that he has taken care. Jesus has taken care of the punishment and we can go before our father and we can celebrate that. This next song is all about that. But before I do that, I just, because I know I I, I talk about this sometimes, you know, I bring up Jonathan, but we just had an experience in the last couple days that really hits this home to me because he got, uh, some of you have been, have donated to this bike and we got that a couple days ago and we were able to go out and to be able to go on this bike and it was awesome. In fact, she, Aaron posted about it this morning. You can go see videos, but what is so cool is just to see him freed up from some of the limitations that he has a lot. And not only that, but my other siblings were running along with him. And it's just a cool thing. And I say that not because of Jonathan, but because that is when we come and take participate in this communion. We are freed up and we can go boldly before the Father and we can celebrate this awesome gift that we have been given in this freedom. I encourage you, let's just, there's a new song we're going to do. It's actually not new, but I don't think we've ever really done it here before. But it's a very powerful song. And I want you to, if you want to sing along, great. But I just encourage you to listen to the words. If you want to kneel down, if you want to stand up, whatever you want to do, just give this time to God and listen to him during this next song.
Will you pray with me? Dear Father, thank you so much for the blood of God, the blood of Christ that allows us to go before our Father blameless. And because of that, we can celebrate. This is not a funeral this morning. This is a celebration. Because you are risen, you are alive, and you put your life inside of us. And as we participate in communion right now, let us be thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. start my message, I want you to listen to a verse of script, two verses of scripture, okay? Just thinking about what we just sang and what we just did at the Lord's Supper. Scripture says this in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And just let that settle in for just a moment. 
there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I mean, we can sing songs, you know, it's the art of celebration and that there's no condemnation. And sometimes we sing these things and we, we want to believe them, but we don't. But I want you to realize this is, this is a biblical concept. You may feel condemned sometimes, but that doesn't mean that you are condemned. You with me? The blood of Jesus has set you free. In fact, the next verse goes on and says, And because you belong to him, to Christ, the power of the life-giving Spirit of God has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So let's just bow our heads together one more time and just pray a prayer of thanks, and then we'll begin our message this morning. Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection the suffering he endured that we might be set free from sin and death and condemnation. And instead of looking at us with, through the eyes, through the lens of judgment and criticism, like much of the world looks at one another, you look at us through the lens of mercy and grace and joy where you're sons and daughters, adopted sons and daughters because of the shed blood of Jesus, because we belong to him. We're so grateful for that. We honor you for that this morning. We remember that. We thank you for that. Lord, I just pray that the truth of that will settle deeply into our souls today, that we might walk in faith and courage and boldness, which is your will for our lives grateful for your grace. This is our prayer. We lift it together in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed with me and said? Amen. 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 Thank you for, for giving me a minute there to do that. Have you ever felt just overwhelmed by life? I mean, we're just, life is, you just, it's coming at you so fast, it's just overwhelming. Uh, maybe there was a, a task before you that seemed larger than your skill set, and you just felt just overwhelmed by that. Maybe it was a project that you had to lead and there was a lot at stake and there were lots of opinions about how it should be done. And you had the lead on that whether you wanted it or not. Maybe there was a person whose shoes you had to fill and he or she was incredibly gifted, almost revered by everyone around them. You had to fill those shoes. Have you ever felt those kind of things? Today we're talking about how to grow in courage uh, when you're overwhelmed by life and its challenges, and we're going to learn from God and a man named Joshua who understood exactly what those kinds of things felt like. He understood what it meant to be overwhelmed. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, open it to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, I think the passage is one of my favorite passages of Scripture uh, God calls Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Moses is now dead. And Joshua is hearing from God, a word from God here, that uh, he is to now lead the way. It was a pivotal moment in his life. Would you call that an intimidating assignment? Let me help you just freshly feel how intimidating this would be for him, okay? Before I read the text... 
Let me just identify with Joshua for a moment with me here. Will you, will you do that? Just kind of listen carefully. Moses was educated among the elite leaders of Egypt. Joshua was not. Okay? Moses spoke with God at the burning bush that did not burn. I mean, it burned but wasn't consumed, right? And uh, Joshua wasn't there. Didn't do that. Moses prophesied to Pharaoh each of the ten miraculous plagues that were going to happen before they happened. All of Egypt, all of the Hebrews stood in awe of this amazing prophetic act on Moses' part. Uh, Joshua didn't do any of that. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Red Sea deep enough that Pharaoh's Egyptian army drowned when the, sea, when the walls of water collapsed upon them. Joshua, he was there, but he had nothing to do with that. Moses personally received the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai. Moses stood on the mountain with God that trembled and shook. And again, Joshua was there, but it wasn't to him that God was speaking. Moses petitioned God successfully. Think about this. He prayed successfully for manna, water, and meat for the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And we're not talking about 12 people that God's providing this for. We're talking million, two million people wandering out in the Arabian desert out here. Joshua didn't offer one of those prayers. Moses instructed the leaders of Israel on how to construct the sacred and miraculous Ark of the Covenant. It went into battle before the people of Israel. It represented the very presence of God in the tabernacle of God that Moses instructed the artisans within the community to build as a home for God. Joshua saw it all happen. He didn't do any of that. Moses recorded for posterity and spiritual training the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, recorded all five of those books. There's plenty of folks that think that maybe Joshua penned some of what he dictated, but guess what? He didn't write it. it came from God through Moses. Moses guided the children of Israel to the threshold of the promised land. Joshua was there, but he didn't do that. Can you imagine being called upon and expected to fill shoes like Moses? I mean, think you get a few butterflies in your soul? Feel a little overwhelmed? You were called to carry on that legacy. That was Joshua's assignment. And I want you to listen to the instructions that God gave to, Moses, or gave to Joshua in that context, okay? That's the context. Because he's given these instructions to Joshua and, and us too. Us too. Joshua chapter 1, start at verse 1. The scripture says that after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, which you just pause for a second. Think of an epitaph, you know, on a tombstone. Just the Lord's servant. 
Moses, this is Moses' epitaph here. Moses, the Lord's servant. The text goes on, says, The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. I won't spend a bunch of time on it, but this is a bigger swath of land than Israel now possesses. File that away in the back of your mind. God is not done with the land. The text continues and says, verse 5, God is speaking, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Would you love to hear that? No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, God tells him. And get this, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love this passage. I love this passage. Some of us need to hear it. Some of us need to embrace it, recognize that God is speaking these things to Joshua. He's speaking these things to his people, past, present, and future. You get the sense when you hear it read that God wants his people to be bold and courageous, to be strong. You know, the truth is that's God's vision for all of his children. Many of us walk around very timid, very fear-filled, when in fact God wants us to be strong and bold and courageous in the face of what for some, many maybe, would be fear-filled situations. He wants his children to be bold because he's with them. He's present. So God lays out here for Joshua and us in these verses an awful lot, but what I want to highlight this morning is four keys to becoming strong and courageous in life and leadership that show up in this passage. Four keys to, be, to becoming strong and courageous, growing in strength and courage in life and leadership. These keys are counterintuitive. They are, you're not going to find them. You, you go to a bookstore, you know, search Amazon for how to become bold and courageous. Most likely you won't be finding these unless you happen to find a Christian book highlighting this passage. You're just not going to find it. It's counterintuitive from a human standpoint. 
Trusting God is required, obviously, if we're going to become more bold, if we're going to become more strong and courageous. And so for these four keys uh, to really make a difference in our lives, we have to take them seriously. We have to embrace them. And if we will, it will change the character and quality of our lives, our leadership, our families, our work ethic. It'll change everything about who we are. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to highlight these four. I hope you'll listen really carefully. I hope you'll... Hope you'll embrace them. If, it's a, if they've been a part of your life, embrace them more firmly. If they've not been a part of your life, maybe give the wisdom of God a try and see if he knows what he's talking about as he gives these words of instruction to Joshua and to you and me. The first key to uh, becoming strong and courageous in life and leadership is this. We've got to learn to listen for God's voice. The first key, listen for God's voice. Many things that we, uh, you talk about that are keys to courage and boldness in our lives. I mean, we can make a long list of them, and, and this one often gets overlooked, even in Christian circles, but we've got to learn to listen for God's voice. Hearing God is a key to developing courage. Let me just tell you, Joshua could not have just Bucked up, you just don't pull up your own bootstraps and follow in the footsteps of Moses, do you? Do you? No. That's crazy thinking. Let's face overwhelming obstacles, overwhelming challenges in our lives, and we think, I can do this. I can do this. And we try to psych ourselves up, and we try. And let me just save you a whole bunch of time. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I can't do this. Maybe we can't. Now, that doesn't fly very well in our culture because we are, we're a culture of like, let's psych ourselves up. We're motivational speakers and we're, you know, this is, this is who we are as a culture. And, and yet... The things that God's calling his people to do in this present generation and what's ahead of us, friends, is going to require boldness, courage, strength of another kind. You, let me just say it, you don't have it in you. Probably won't write a book with that title. (laughs) You don't have it in you. And neither do I. But where God is, where God speaks, to whom God speaks, boldness, courage, provision, protection, power, character of another kind is available. Joshua 1.1 says this way, After the death of Moses... Joshua, or uh, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke. You might need to circle the word if it's your Bible. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Here's the, here's the point. When God speaks, uh, it changes everything. It changes everything. We talked the last three weeks about God speaking, hearing God's voice when God whispers and this sort of thing. And just because some of you maybe have never heard God's voice doesn't mean He's not speaking. 
Doesn't mean he's not speaking. Remember, sometimes I had things to say to my boys when they were little, and particularly when they were little and they're kind of, you know, you're, you're naive and unguarded. What do you do if you don't want, if you don't want to hear what dad has to say? It's what you do, right? There's plenty of us who do this sometimes to God. We don't want to hear that God's calling us to be the next Joshua, following the footsteps of a Moses. We don't want to hear that because that's going to challenge us in a way that just feels overwhelming. It creates anxiety and blah, blah, blah. But friends, if you pull your fingers out of your ears and you will humble yourself and listen, God will promise you, I will be with you as I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua, as I was with the Apostle Peter, as I was with Paul, as I was, you know, pick your New Testament Bible person. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not mute, but sometimes we're deaf. And the key is that we want to grow in courage Learning to listen and hear the voice of God is a huge, huge part of the ball game. Lauren, I came here to start Southwoods 30, almost 33 years, actually 33 years ago when we moved here. And back then, we didn't know anybody. One of the scariest things I've ever done in my life was to move here and not know anybody and think, okay, well, God wants me to start a church. It was easy for me to say, uh, okay, on the front end to some degree, but when I got here, and I remember we were sitting at our kitchen table at the old house, and one day it just landed on me like a ton of bricks. I have agreed to start a new church, and I don't know anybody here. And I could play guitar and sing, and I could preach, and I could do various things, but I thought, I, you know, a church is by definition not me. It's like we, us. It's like, and, and I remember this traumatic moment of just like, I am in way, way, way over my head. Many times that that's been true over the years. If we hadn't had a clear sense of God speaking to come here and do this, it doesn't make it. We don't make it. Do not underestimate the transformative power of hearing God's voice in your life. Nothing will give you more Peace and trauma sometimes. Because he's a great king. But he does care about you. So if you want to become strong, you want to become more courageous in your life, there are going to be a lot of other things we're going to talk about in this passage, but the passage begins. The transformation of Joshua begins with hearing the voice of God. If you missed the last three weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to them because uh, they'll help you. They'll help you in this area. And hang around because in the months ahead and in the years ahead, I just think God's going to continue to help us all in this area, okay? First key is listen for whose voice? 
God's voice. Listen for the voice of God. Second key that we see in the text, if we're going to become more strong and courageous, is that we've got to choose to obey Scripture carefully. We've got to obey Scripture carefully. First part of verse 7, God says this to Joshua, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey most of the instructions Moses gave you. It says all, exactly right. Be careful to obey the instructions that Moses gave you that you like. The instructions that Moses gave you that everybody in the culture agrees with. Is that what he says? Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. And then for emphasis, he goes on and says, Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. He's just saying, you know, no detours, no shortcuts, no creative alternative interpretations or routes to pick. Don't deviate. Look at what I gave Moses, God is saying. This exactly, exactly is for you. Don't veer to the right or the left. And then he gives a promise. If you look at verse 7, the last part of it, he says this, Then you'll be successful in everything that you do. We live in a culture we want success without obeying all of the promises of Scripture, don't we? an evil one in our world that promises success too. Think of Jesus. He promised, you know, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world that are within my, within my potential to give them to you if you just bow down and worship me. Same kind of temptation is placed before every single one of us. God is saying the key to lasting success is not bowing to the world. It is choosing to live a life that hears the voice of God and refuses to deviate from the teachings of Scripture, chooses to obey all that God has given us. Some of us want to believe that, but we think to ourselves, you know, on a practical level, Greg, I hear what you're saying, but, but how is that going to help me be successful as a programmer or as a plumber? How's that going to help me be successful as a teacher or a nurse or a counselor or a salesman or accountant or a lawyer. Here's what you and I have to think. We have to learn to think long-term. I mean, we have to think long-term. And by long-term, I don't mean 12 months or three years or 30 years. We have to learn to think, like, eternally, okay? Immortally. This is how we have to think. We have to think on a larger scale than we typically think. Because what here's the way it works. The practices and teachings of Scripture are going to form in you and me the kind of character that is required for sustained success in eternity. Now and forever. 
God is not thinking short-term, temporary, quarterly. This is not the way He operates. He is doing in you and me what will make it possible for us to be fruitful, to prosper, to be successful now and for ever. And every time you and I deviate from His Word, what are we doing? We're short-circuiting His plan, His dream, His vision for our lives. This is why he was appealing to Joshua, saying, Obeying Scripture carefully is a key to your success, Joshua. If you do it, you'll succeed. Ultimately, you're going to succeed in everything you do. Because the Scriptures are really clear that even failure in this life, from a human standard, guess what? It's not failure. God brings good out of failure. He brings success out of tragedy triumph out of catastrophe. He's a master of these kinds of things. We have to think more long-term. The second key to becoming more bold and courageous is just deciding. It's an advanced decision that we make today about how I'm going to live tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And the decision is, if God says it, I'm going to obey it. I may struggle to do it. I'm going to fall at times. But thanks to the blood of Jesus, I will get up and I will go at it another day. Today, tomorrow, the next day. I'm going to obey with God's help, Scripture, as carefully as I possibly can because it's a key to becoming strong and courageous in life. One of the things that increases boldness and courage in the life of a believer is knowing that the way you're living is consistent with what God has said. Do you see that? It just gives you confidence. It's key. There's the third key to becoming more bold and more courageous in life and leadership. And the third key is this. If if we're going to obey Scripture, we're going to have to study Scripture. We're going to have to study Scripture continually because there's a lot there. And let's just be honest, you can study your, I I still read this book and find things, it's been under my nose for years and years, and it's like somehow I missed that. I didn't see it, I didn't understand it, or I thought I understood it, and as life and circumstances occur, you realize, oh, I'm learning, I'm still learning. I'm still growing, I'm still being challenged, and so then it becomes a, a course correction for you and me at this point in our lives to say, oh, well, that's what that meant. And we redirect our lives more fully into alignment with God and His will. For that to happen, we've got to study Scripture continually. The first sentence of Joshua 1.8 tells Joshua and us, study this book of instruction continually. Continually. God's saying, don't just take a random approach to Scripture. Don't just pick the verses that you like. Don't just read whatever Scripture happened to turn to. You just open your Bible roulette. You know, and I read. Good that you're reading. That's, that's better than, shall we say, not reading. It's better. But we've got to read Scripture differently. 
God doesn't just want us to take a prescription approach to Scripture. What do I mean by that, you think? I mean, you feel anxious, so you read Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. We just, and then we just like immerse ourselves in that verse. Or, you know, we feel tired, and so we read Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. And we've got some other issue going. We find a verse that relates to that. And what's wrong with that, you're thinking? And that's a legitimate question. Here's the challenge. Here's the problem. This kind of approach to Scripture, if that's, all we, if that's only way we read Scripture, it treats the Bible as if it primarily exists to make you feel better. It makes the Bible all about you and me. It's like it's about my comfort for my issues. How does the Bible serve? How can it serve me rather than what it's really there for, which is to help you and me learn how to serve the God the Bible proclaims more faithfully, more fully, to more consistently be made into His image. Don't misunderstand. God understands we need to read We need Philippians 4, 6. We need, we need a passage like that. A lot of others. But you and I have got to learn that God, as a friend of mine I heard say the other day, God is a great king. Yes, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve rather than to be served, as Scripture teaches. That doesn't change the fact that he is a great king and not your personal servant. Not mine. We're going to grow in boldness. We... We've got to come to the place that we recognize Him for who He is and humble ourselves appropriately and choose to obey Scripture carefully, which means if I'm going to do that, I've got to study Scripture continually. Genesis to Deuteronomy, if you're Joshua. Genesis to Revelation, if you're you and me. God embrace it. Which brings us to the fourth key to becoming more bold and courageous. Joshua and we need to meditate on Scripture 24-7. It's interesting to me how the text even says it. Verse 8 just says, Study this book of instruction continually, and then it says, Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I need to say a word here about anytime the word meditate shows up anymore in the Bible, we do weird things with it in Christian circles even in our day. Eastern meditation, you're emptying your mind and centering on nothingness. You're staring at a blue dot. You're doing this, this it's it is fundamentally completely inconsistent with what Scripture has in mind when it says meditate on Scripture day and night. What's it talking about? You can't be emptying your mind because clearly you're meditating on what? Scripture, the, scripture, the Word of God. That's what you're, you're, you're doing. So you're meditating on it day and night, talking about Scripture, the, 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 the book of instruction. 
The concept of biblical meditation is take. This is how we'd word it most of the time in our culture. Think memorization. You're taking a verse and you're just focusing on it. You're just mulling it over in your life. And you're focusing on that verse to such an extent, day and night, that over a period of time, you see all of life through the lens of that verse for a little bit. That's really what biblical meditation is. And God's saying, I want you to meditate. I want you to ruminate. I want you to immerse and saturate your minds with Scripture day and night, 24-7. Best illustration I can think of for uh, this kind of idea and the value of meditating on Scripture 24-7 is a tea bag. And I've got this. Most of us are familiar with tea, hot tea. Uh, you got a tea bag there, and you drop it into the tea, right, in the hot water. Actually, think of it this way. When you start out, it's hot water, right? Are you with me? You put a tea bag in there, and it changes everything. If the Word of God is like a tea bag and our minds and souls are like a cup of hot water, what happens the longer the tea and the water are in contact with each other? The water's transformed. It's still liquid, but it's not the same color. It's not the same aroma. It doesn't taste the same. It's fundamentally different. Better than it was when it started. In the same way, God envisions that meditating on Scripture 24-7 will transform our actions, our minds, our will, our lives. Not toward timidity. It will transform us toward courage, toward boldness toward godly goodness. And according to what God said in Joshua in verse 8, then, only then, will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So what's keeping you from soaking in God's word more? You know, for most of us, it's, it's one word, really. I mean, it's just time. It's... And on some level, that affects all of us. I mean, it just does. We've all got time limitations. Most days, you and I are working, we're sleeping, we're paying bills, we're cleaning, we're doing a home and auto upkeep, we're we're cooking, we're attending sporting events, or watching them on TV, or we're watching movies, or we're we're reading periodicals or novels, or we're, we're browsing social media and posting things and pictures to make other people envious of what we're... It's just like all all the things that we do with social media. Uh, we're texting people, we're on a phone, I mean, on and on. These are just the things of life. It's, it's the stuff that fills our time. So many of those things are actually important. But we must keep perspective that none of those things are going to help you and me become more bold, more courageous, more godly, 
only hearing the voice of God, only carefully obeying and soaking our souls in the word of God will give us the substance of soul to do life the way God envisions for us. When life gets overwhelming, <laughs> the solution is, I mean, we have to start aggressively listening to God. And I would just say this, if you and I make it a practice, a routine practice where we're meditating on the Word and listening for God on a constant basis, increasingly so, maybe life doesn't feel as overwhelming as often as it once did for us. At least it's worth a try, wouldn't you say? I invite you to stand up with me. We're going to close in prayer. just encourage you to devote yourself to hearing God and continually soaking your mind, your soul, in the Word of God. Let it grow some character, some courage in you. If you've been doing that, yay, you keep it up. Because the truth is we can never get enough, but just, just stay open to God in this respect. We're going to, before we pray, uh, maybe you need to invite Jesus into your life. Uh, just one of, the, one of the real keys to hearing God's voice is having Christ a part of your life. And maybe you need to invite him to be your Savior, your Lord. If you've never done that, uh, today would be a perfect day. He gave his life to pay the penalty for your sin that you might live without condemnation for those sins. Today would be a great day for you to look heavenward and say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Forgive me. Make me yours. I'm making you my Lord, my Savior, my King. He's waiting. Scripture paints a picture. Jesus himself paints the picture. He's like standing at a door just knocking, gently, quietly knocking, waiting, for humans like you and me to just open the door and let him in. Maybe today is the day to just open the door. Maybe you need to be baptized, as Scripture teaches. We get baptism later, uh, right afterwards. You hang around, you see what a baptism looks like if you've never seen one. If you have seen one and you think, I need to do this. Uh, for whatever reason, you've been putting it off. Let today be the day to say, I'm going to stop procrastinating what I know God wants me to do. Just... Come tell me, and we'll make arrangements for you today or another day to, to come, come participate yourself and honor what Jesus calls all of his disciples to do, which is to be baptized. Sends out his children. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He tells all of his children to do this. And then he adds and teach them to obey Everything I've commanded you, the kind of stuff we've talked about this morning. So just, just decide, I'm going I'm to follow Jesus in this. Let us know. Maybe you need prayer for some other area of need in your life. you got some health issue, or you got some relational issue or something else. Come on down afterwards. We'll be happy to pray for you. It's an honor to do that for all of us. So let's bow our heads, then we'll uh, pray and... Uh, Hope you'll join us next week. Oh, before I do pray, I just want to encourage you to get a chance. We have our friend uh, Amanda with us today. Uh, she's, I, I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but she's been, I'll say it this way, she's been uh, 
an ambassador on God's behalf all over the world, multiple places, and uh, uh, kind of beginning a new venture here in the near future uh, in Israel. So just be praying for her about that, and uh, thrilled to have her here today. Some of the ladies got to talk to her Tuesday night, but if you didn't get a chance to meet her uh, and want to, God's putting it on your heart, come on up. I know she'd love to visit with you, so we'd love for you to meet her. So, all right, let's bow our heads, and then uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, your favor, that you were with Joshua, and the world has been changed forever because of it. And thank you that as you were with him, you want to be with us. But you want us to listen to you. You want us to obey your instructions, whether anybody else in our sphere of influence does or not. You want us individually to walk with you, to go where you go, to say what you would say, to do what you would do, to live like you'd live, to love like you'd love, to forgive like you'd forgive, to become, with your help, more fully who you envisioned us being. And now, Lord, as we leave this place, would you help us to that end as we recommit ourselves to that kind of life and to you? We need you. Need you, need you, need you in our lives. Thanks for your grace. This is our prayer, and we lift it together in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, amen. 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 Bless you all.